welcome, B2B startups, change-ups, scale-ups, and grown-ups. This is the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Schwartzman. Let's do this. You know, you're, you're the chief programming officer at South by Southwest. It's definitely the most influential uh, interactive conference in, in America. And, you know, technology is always changing. It's always moving. So when you're creating educational programming in an environment, I guess where you have to do it, I don't know how many months in advance, but probably a lot of months in advance, I, I guess you're part fortune teller, yeah? <laughs> uh part, but I hope not too large a part because uh, uh, that's, uh, I'm, not as, I'm not as good a fortune teller as I'd like to be. If I was, I'd, I'd be in a different line of work. How about that? Do you have some sort of a process? I mean, how, how many years have you been doing this now? I've, I started at South by Southwest in 1989, so I've been here roughly 30 years. Um, in terms of a process, the process is just... <laughs> It's a process, meaning that we're uh, we, we start meetings to plan for for the next year, the next March. Uh, those meetings typically start in July, and we're uh, for the the big name keynote speakers, the people we hope will fill the biggest rooms. We are talking and talking and talking talking. Someone nominates a person, someone in the in the. the, the committee that we have working on this stuff will nominate someone. Hopefully we have robust dialogue with someone saying, I think this is a great person for the event and someone else saying, I don't think this is the right person. Um, certainly have, have learned and learned the hard way that um, the more you can discuss something, uh, the more likely the, the result is going to be a positive one. I also am a huge, huge, huge believer in the power of community. So um Get a lot of great ideas from the community, uh, and that is certainly that that belief in the power of community is certainly the one of the driving uh, driving motivators behind the South by Southwest panel picker interface, which is how we choose a lot of our programming, um, and that idea being that uh, the community um, has lots of great ideas that we might not have yet, and the more we can. Uh, engage with that community, communicate with that community, interact with that community, learn from that community, the stronger the event becomes. Hugh, I'm particularly interested in the pre-qualification process, and I'm particularly interested in those panels and speakers that don't come from Panel Picker that you decide and you and your committee or group decide need to be there to have a well-rounded event. Are there any... I don't know, any sort of lessons learned about sort of pre-qualifying. Obviously, once they're pre-qualified, they still may not pass muster once you start talking to them. But what is it that sort of brings someone up to the, up to the level where you say, wow, that's somebody we really need to consider? Well, for sure, you know, 60 to 65 to 70 percent of the programming comes through the panel picker. The other uh, 25, 30, 35, 40 percent is stuff that we're curating that we're reaching out to. Um, we're certainly, you know, at a, at a basic level, we're we're um, doing uh, searches on our favorite, uh, using our favorite search engine to see if this person is in the news uh, a lot. 
at whatever time we're considering this person. That's certainly an indicator. We're also looking at their social media following, given that social media uh, is often a some degree of indicator of relevance in, in terms of where we are in 2019 and 2020. Um, you know, have learned a lot the about simply the power of celebrity um, over the last few years, and and whether you like that or not, uh, we're constantly reminded that um, people who are celebrities are um, have a better chance of filling a big room than uh, people who have fantastic ideas but but may not quite have that um, celebrity factor. So does that mean that you're limited to only um, talking to celebrities? No, I think that means that you try to be creative and perhaps pair someone with a celebrity type following with someone who's got some fantastic ideas and kind of get the best of both worlds that way. One of the great things, you know, I remember about being at the keynotes is often, maybe this isn't the case recently, and I haven't been in the last five years, but I can remember going into a keynote, not having any idea who the person is and being blown away and having that be one of the wonderful things about the conference. Sure. I, I think they're, we're, we're always trying to get a little bit of a mix of uh, people who are um, well-established and have a reputation as well as up-and-comers who don't have that much of a reputation yet and that can uh, surprise people with their, uh, with their insights, with their inspiration, with their expertise. So, uh, again, trying to achieve a balance there, although I think that um, – as the event continues to evolve and as the media landscape continues to change, um, we, we probably lean a little more now towards established names just because we know that that is what um, uh, attracts, tends to attract more media attention and media attention is one of the pillars of, uh, of, what may, what, of, of how the South by Southwest system works. Obviously, you know, it's, it's curated. One of the reasons it's, it's great is because it is curated um, and partially curated by the community. But it's interesting you mentioned sort of the up-and-comer. And I'm curious to know, and maybe, uh, maybe there is no answer to this, but I'll just throw it out there. You know, how does an up-and-comer get considered? Like, what is it about someone who doesn't have a following and isn't a celebrity but maybe has an interesting idea? or What, what is it in that case? that would get someone like, you know, like a Tara Hunt to do a keynote, which was a fantastic keynote. And I, I became friends with her afterwards. I loved it. And then there was a Dana Boyd from Microsoft, right. who I didn't really know, and she was fantastic. Um, what is it that gets somebody like that considered? Because there's a lot of people like that, but only a few of them are lucky enough to make it to the, or unlucky enough, how you look at it, huh. uh, to make it to the stage at, uh, at South by Southwest. So any thoughts at all on sort of what differentiates that breed of cat? Well, for someone like Tara or Dana and both um, great people and have contributed a ton to this quote-unquote interactive industry, uh, you know, they had, before they had risen to the keynote stage or however you want to phrase that, they had participated in South by Southwest quite, quite a lot. So they had, um, you know, uh, uh, I had seen what kind of audience they would draw. I had seen what kind of um, 
positive response they had gotten from attendees. Uh, so, I mean, for, for again, people like that, it's not completely out of the blue. We had had some uh, experience with them in, in previous years. Um, for other folks who may not be all that well known, it's, um, you know, I think it's a lot of, uh, uh, of myself and other people on my staff trying to kind of pay attention to as many different inputs, um, particularly over the summer when we're a little less busy and, and, you know, creating lists of, uh, how we create them by text, by database by sticky notes of, wow, I read this really cool article about um, such and such, and uh, uh, this person would be a great speaker. Um, uh, and, and so, again, we typically bring, um, you know, uh, uh, 200, 300 ideas to the, to the table in, in, our, in our first uh, meetings of the year and, and uh, try to go through as many of those speaker ideas as possible. If, if I think uh, Joni Smith is a particularly great speaker and a particularly great candidate for South by Southwest, my job is to convince the other people on staff who are hopefully skeptical um, that uh, Joni is a, a great speaker. Sometimes I can do that. Sometimes I can't. Now, in your position, I imagine, you know, you receive a lot of um pitches from, you know, PR people and marketing people who are trying to get visibility for their brands. And I imagine sometimes you've, you've, you've taken the bait. Sometimes you haven't. But I mean, after 30 years, you must have a thing or two to say about, um, you know, what uh, type of tech services that are being pitched as hot actually make it and what ones, you know, don't. So do you have any sort of wisdom on predicting which types of technology services make it don't uh, based on that experience of, you know, being pitched and, and, uh, and, and, and featuring technology that didn't make it or featuring technology that did make it? Uh, again, my tips here are fairly limited. If I had better expertise, I would, uh, you know, probably be in a different line of work, but I, but I do know that um, the the kind of technology um, innovations, apps, breakthroughs that have done best at South by Southwest um, are the ones that have helped attendees experience and engage and absorb South by Southwest. So if you think about our kind of biggest success story as an event, which was uh, Twitter in 2007 launching itself by Southwest, quote unquote. The, the reason, one of the reasons in my mind that Twitter was so successful was that people used it or could use it in its still embryonic form to understand what parties their friends were going to, where, where they were going for lunch, where they were going for dinner. Same thing with, uh, Foursquare, which launched it in 2019. About this time, Airbnb, uh, you know, got a big push out of South by Southwest. I think we were their first event that they did, and they sold one booth, uh, sold one bed, and that was to their uh, co-founder. But again, it was something that there's a hotel shortage in Austin during South by Southwest, and people needed a way to find rooms, Airbnb. Flash forward to... Um, 
2015 when um, Meerkat uh, had a had a big push at South by Southwest. Same kind of thing um, uh, was that it, it helped people absorb and understand um, what was going on at South by Southwest. And you may never have heard of Meerkat. It was short lived. It gave rise to Periscope and Periscope. I remember it well. I remember every example you just you just shared. Yeah, Periscope gave rise rise to Facebook Live. So uh, again, for for uh, I'm not a very good overall soothsayer, uh, and my <laughs> my uh, broker will tell you that. But I am uh, pretty committed or pretty understanding that if you have a, some kind of technology service app that helps people at South by Southwest, whether it be transportation, whether it be hotel rooms, whether it be following your friends, connecting with your friends, finding new friends, um, that's going to be successful. Uh, there are certainly plenty of success stories of startups at South by Southwest that are not directly to absorbing South by Southwest, but they just don't get the same or have not ever gotten the same amount of traction as things that um, uh, follow that that formula of how does it help someone at South by Southwest? And I think that you know South by Southwest, in a sense, is a preview of the future that we're getting ever closer to, where you have a very dense population, a hyper-connected population, people who are uh, using their smartphone uh, proportionally more than than the general population and people who are trusting in that technology proportionally more than the general population. So again, it's a it's a nice test bed for a certain kind of technology. It's a great segue um, because when we first saw social media, uh, we all hailed it uh, and idealized its potential to democratize information and empower individuals. But, uh, you know, Cambridge Analytica is a long way from the wisdom of the crowd. Uh, you know, we seem to have partly been commandeered by, you know, demagogues and state-sponsored propaganda and troll farms. Um, by right of passage, I mean, right of, right of your position, you're one of the most influential technology tastemakers in the world by, by who you put on the stage. Do you do you feel some sort of responsibility to manage? Do you feel an ethical responsibility with that power, or you know, if you could get you know Putin's head of their troll farm, would you give me a keynote? I'm sorry, who was the head of the troll? Which troll farm? Farm there? What we're talking about? I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know who they are because uh, you know they're they're uh, anonymous. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. one of the things we saw through the election was you know all these troll farms in Russia yep, that are yep, state yep, sponsored. Yep. So, like, if you could get the head of the, one of those troll farms to come in and give a talk, would you? Or do you feel any sort of moral responsibility with, you know, South by Southwest at all? Yes, increasingly so, and, and increasingly within that scenario that that you eloquently outlined there, that, um, you know, 10 years ago, probably even five years ago, we were all much more optimistic and uh, enthusiastic about the possibilities of technology and the possibilities of social media. I think particularly in a post-Cambridge analytical way, um, we've all (laughs) 
come to realize that that those that that social media has as significant a downside as it has an upside that the people who warned us about the lack of privacy and what that would um uh what that would mean for our civilization were in a sense um very pernicious uh and um that does lead to a sense of responsibility i think that while the head of a troll farm would be very interesting quote unquote i think that we do have a responsibility to provide forward thinking content that is inspiring and is positive and i don't know that having someone who is using these tools to generally negative effect or impact is is the way we want to go there now perhaps pairing that kind of person with a uh, strong journalist who can ask strong questions and won't back down from those questions is insightful but but i also think that you know part of our role part of our moral uh code here is to try to point to a better future <laughs> whatever that is in 2019 and try to inspire people with uh with um tech leaders societal leaders that are doing good things as opposed to kind of depress them with um folks that that are not particularly doing good things with these tools is is that getting tougher is that getting are those people getting tougher to find because they were everywhere before are they still out there the optimist i think that i think they are out there but yes to your question it is a lot tougher to find these folks and again that that um you know 10 years ago uh we could choose any number of rising tech leaders and saying wow look at all the great things that this company is doing and uh where we are in 2019 and 2020 uh most of those tech leaders um we have realized that their creations have a significant uh downside and that is i think a particular challenge for south by southwest in the sense that so much of our growth was built on the the wave of social media social media innovation being at the right place at the right time on social media and again where we are in 2018 2019 and 2020 and realizing that social media you know is is uh, uh a real force that that has some real negative impacts uh and, and trying to to wrestle with that and and trying to showcase um uh more inspirational leaders that are perhaps less involved with technology and more involved with other quote innovations that that aren't directly tech related. Ke, what's the biggest programming mistake you ever made at South by Southwest? Uh I mean the biggest programming mistake was when we got involved with um uh when we waded into gamergate um in uh 26 20 late 2015 and 2016 um and that was i mean big does not even accurately describe how uh how how many mistakes we made in that particular instance can you just sort of tell um, us briefly what happened 
Uh, we accepted a, a pro Gamergate session, and, and uh, briefly, Gamergate it can be described as a, a section of the gaming community that um, uh, maybe doesn't believe in uh, equality, gender equality, um, as a as a goal for gaming. Um, and we also accepted an anti-Gamergate uh, session. Um, this created a huge outcry in our community that we accepted both of these. We then doubled down our, on our mistakes by dropping both of these sessions from the schedule, which created even more of, a, of an outcry. Eventually, we somewhat a little bit mitigated this problem by creating a by uh, adding in a series of of, uh, of of sessions about online harassment. Um, but again, I, I would have much rather I would have <laughs> far fewer gray hairs if we just never made this mistake in the first place of going down this path. Um, if there's anything remotely interesting about the Gamergate debacle, um, particularly looking at it through the, the lens of 2018, 2019, 2020, is a lot of those problems that we faced with Gamergate um, moved into a more the more mainstream society with the rise of the alt-right and uh, our, our current struggles or inability to control the, the alt-right or to understand what free speech is and what that really means and should platforms uh, 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 try to, to limit um, uh, speech from the alt-right or is that should be should that uh, be protected by the First Amendment? So uh, again, we this was a huge, huge mistake um, on our end to, to go down that that path. We, we learned a lot about um, crisis communications and the power of social media for good and not so good in that experience. And I think hopefully the even bigger lesson was that um, uh, going back to something I said earlier, um, we made these decisions on Gamergate without having exhaustive discussions on the implications of doing this. And had we had more exhaustive uh, discussions on the implications of doing this, we probably would not have made those mistakes. So if there's any lesson I've learned in doing this from 30 years, it's the more you discuss something, the more you think it through, the less likely you're going to make the kinds of mistakes that you uh, look back on um, and, and wish you hadn't uh, embraced. Hugh, thanks for taking the time to do this. Final question. A biggest surprise from all your years at South by Southwest. Um, I think the biggest surprise that I that I have year after year um, at South by Southwest, and the fact that it happens every year, uh, I probably shouldn't be surprised, uh, so surprised at it. But but it's still surprising and surprising in a positive way. Is as follows that, you know, on the one hand, South by Southwest uh, as a tech company as a tech conference we've evolved into one of the world's best most prominent showcases of, of 
of tech leaders who are coming up with all kinds of new ways to connect people via social media, via other new technology platforms. And that's neat that we've grown to that um, position, and that's something that uh, I you know, am, am proud of. That said, what we find every year at South by Southwest is that um, what people still crave immensely <laughs> is face-to-face connections. I mean, uh, you can connect by whatever new social media platform there is. You can connect via VR, via AR, via MR, via XR, via, you know, uh, 23rd century interfaces, via 5G, via 6G, via 7G. All that stuff is great, and all that stuff is important and part of our future, and it's things we will continue to explore at South by Southwest and other similar events. But again, what we really find, which is surprising and which is good, is that people still like to come together and uh, interact in a face-to-face environment. They like to be able to shake someone's hand. They like to be able to go to breakfast with someone, go to lunch, go to dinner, have a drink, have coffee, you know, talk um, in a hallway, talk at a bar, talk at a party, that type thing. And um, uh, again, in a, in a world that is so technology driven, um, that, that power of face-to-face connection is surprising and uh, always leaves me relatively optimistic that um, uh, the humans will win out. You know, it's one of the unique things about South by Southwest. It's so, it seems so simple. You would think other conference organizers would follow suit. But something as, as basic as just having tables and chairs in the hallways and having water available and having enough Wi-Fi creates an opportunity to sit down and meet other people uh, without having to, uh, you know, do it in the aisles of a, of a, of a trade show or to do it um, in, in a breakout room while you're waiting for a speaker. You know, there's something very human about just sitting down and meeting people without either being a consumer or, or looking for information. And, you know, it was, it, one of the things that struck me about South by Southwest the first time I went is like, gosh, why don't more people do this? Why don't they just put tables and chairs around so people can congregate? And I guess it's because they don't want to, they feel like they'll be ripping off their exhibitors or I don't know what it is. But it definitely uh, sets you guys apart. And it was something that I thought Louis Lemure did really good with um, with the web as well. You know, those when it was around, those are yeah. sort of the two conferences that stand out because you know you can go grab a coffee and meet somebody, and and also you know you don't pay twelve dollars for for a bottle of water. There's water there. You know, it's, it's, well, it's thank different. You for the, it really is. Thanks, Eric, for the nice words. I, I think there are a lot of great events that. Um, that create a lot of great ways for people to interact. Um, and, and we can, <laughs> we at South by Southwest can learn a lot from these things. But, but again, at a, at a, a basic human level, um, people like to come together and, and um, share their creativity and coming together and sharing creativity is never more important than it is now. Um, we've got, computers, machines, algorithms that can do lots of stuff a lot better than we can, but uh, we as humans can, but but uh, those computers, 
machines, algorithms can't can't be quite as creative as we can and can't be quite as creative when you put two really interesting people together and let them talk for a little while. Hugh Forrest, Chief Programming Officer at South by Southwest, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. This is Eric Schwartzman for the B2B Lead Gen Podcast. See you next time.